The Hennessy Report from Keystone Partners, a free-flowing conversation with leaders in the HR community, talking about themselves, the industry, and their work. Brought to you in cooperation with NERA, the Northeast Human Resources Association. Welcome to the Hennessy Report. I'm Dave Hennessy. We just celebrated our one-year anniversary of the podcast and want to thank all of the podcast guests and Nira for producing this in cooperation with us and all of you listeners that are helping us make this podcast series successful. In fact, speaking of Nira, our next two guests are on the board of Nira, and we recorded those podcasts for a live audience at the Nira conference last month. And they are the new chair of the board of Nira, and she's also the VP of HR at MIT, Lorraine Goff. And also we have our other live podcast we're releasing next is the CHRO of L. Nylum Pharmaceuticals, Karen Anderson. So look for those soon. Now for this episode, we have Meg Newman, who's the CHRO of the newly combined company of Keurig and Dr. Pepper, called Keurig Dr. Pepper, with over 25,000 employees. Meg believes HR is the culture builder in the organization, and you'll hear that and other interesting megisms. Early in the podcast, Meg goes into detail about how she's bringing these two cultures together and using interesting tools like Workplace as an internal social media tool to help build the culture, and it's fascinating. And now I bring you my conversation with Meg Newman. Meg, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Great to have you. A lot of exciting things going on yes. at Keurig Dr. Pepper. I think you joined before the merger happened Correct. with yeah. Dr. Pepper, Correct. and now you're bringing this 25,000-person organization all together. Yes, we are. Very excited about that. We want to talk about that. And before we do, let's find out a little bit about you so our listeners get a sense of your background. What, what's your early start in your career and some things that helped get you in this direction of HR leadership? Sure. I mean, it's always interesting, right, to look back and think about how you wound up in sort of a broader leadership role. But I really started out finishing my uh, college degree in psychology and thinking that I would take a path down organizational design, you know, psychology. and mm-hmm. um, Not unusual for HR leaders. There's a lot of psychology start-offs. In, yes, in this, yes. In this and Or field. I thought I would maybe go into a different field. But anyway, I did yeah. an internship um, out of college, and the person I was working for for the summer said, hey, if you, re- if you really like this work, you really like, quote-unquote, personnel. Mm. Started doing some research on it and went to, you know, took a job in manufacturing in an HR generalist role, so very uh, smaller company. But I always say to people, it's a great opportunity in manufacturing to cut your teeth because you get all things thrown at you from mm-hmm. an HR perspective. I did that for a Did number- you have a labor union as well? I didn't have union, no. but if you've worked in those manufacturing environments, it feels very much like, uh, like that at times. Good group of people, good company. Um, about five years in, went back to school for my master's degree, mm-hmm. and then was recruited out of um, there for a role with Sears. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, so I got recruited, and, and they told me they wanted me to go to this little store in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. And I thought, what's Is store? that where you're from? You I'm from? I grew up in Chicago. Okay, yeah. But lived in Wisconsin for the later part of, from the time I was 16 until uh, about 30. So I got recruited for this little store and you pulled up and I thought what retail store is there I pulled up and it was actually like a looked like a shed and I went in and it was a whole working operation so it was the 
product repair at the time, it's now called home services, where the employees there are the ones who come out and fix your washing machine or your refrigerator or things of that nature. Um, so it was, a, it was a nice move from manufacturing into this world. And I spent uh, almost nine years at Sears and most of it in the field. And then, you know, took any assignment that they sort of threw my way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, through a variety of, of uh, you know, I guess experiences, if you will, I wound up back at corporate. And, and so that's uh, and sort of the rest is history. But yeah. the, the start was really um, in manufacturing. And, you know, along the way, having a really good couple of mentors who looked out for me to say, hey, you really should think about this. Yeah. And what, what did you learn from, is there anything coming back to you about what you learned from one or both of those several mentors that sticks out in your mind, some concept or? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if you worked with me long enough, we've, um, and those who know me, we call, they call them megisms, right? So I think I've, I've taken those. From so that's other. a thing that's known as, <laughs> known around here, well, megisms. I, you know, I, I won't say that, but I think that, you know, I, I tell the stories a lot, but um, I think, you know, listen, I, there are a lot of things that people say and they don't even realize how important they are at the time because they feel so small. But for me, it was people who said, hey, don't be afraid to take any opportunity, even if it feels like it's outside of your area of responsibility or your comfort zone or things of that nature. And I think part of why I've been successful is I anything that people have thrown at me or I've seen things, I don't, I'm not afraid to speak up or I'll jump in and and take those on. And some things really scared me. You know, some things I was like, I, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. But you still did it. But we still did it. Yeah. And I think part of, I think what's, I find to have made me get to this part of my journey and have some success is that I really do rely on the people around me and bring in people. I'm not afraid to say, hey, I don't know. And mm. can you help? And mm. things of that nature. So um, little things like that stick out for me. Things people have taught me along the way on how you treat people how you approach the work, you know, things of that nature. Right. That's yeah. great. Well, maybe we should uh, shift and talk a little bit about um, this organization and sure. how it's come together. I love talking about this organization. Yeah, and where you are. And there's so many brands now. I was yeah. um, looking up and you got all the Dr. Pepper brands and Schweppes is under there mm-hmm. and Canada Dry and, um, and of course, the Keurig line and Green Mountain Coffee and all the licensing that you guys yeah. do. Talk a little bit about this new organization and the excitement that, that you all have for Yeah, well, so one of the things that happens to me all the time, it just happened to me this weekend, is people will say, I say, oh, that's a, that's a um, Keurig Dr. Pepper brand. And they'll say, I need to go on your website and find all the brands you have because I didn't realize that. So, And that happened to me when we first were talking about this merger was I didn't realize all those brands existed. So I think that makes it really exciting. We have a ton of brands um, from our legacy Keurig team, our legacy DBS team, together a very powerhouse uh, Keurig Dr. Pepper team. I think, you know, the thing, the way to think about this organization now that we get really excited about is we really came together by watching the consumer. And if you think about your, we call them need states throughout the day, um, the one thing is that's common is everybody has a beverage that they love, right? And so for us... Sometimes starting with a warm one in the right. morning. Right, I mean, yeah. and, so, and for us, it's really about every, a beverage for every need, for every consumer, everywhere they are. It's very simple, right? right. When you think about it that way. And then you think about the merger and you get really excited. The more you think about it, the more you think about, wow, we have the opportunity to really impact mm-hmm. people on a daily basis. So that brings opportunities and challenges as far as bringing people together. We all know that merges are difficult sure. and a uh, great opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I know um, from doing a little research and talking to people that you've done some great things 
to bring this these organizations together. Can you talk about some of them? The things you're doing, example, one thing is called Workplace. Yeah. I think that's very fascinating. If you could talk yeah. a little bit about that tool and other things that you're doing to make people feel part of this merger, not like it's happening to them. I heard that you've been able to do that. People yeah. feel like they're part of it. So things yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, like it's, it's great when you hear that because that's really your ultimate goal mm -hmm. is to say, hey, you know, the merger gets announced, but it's really the impact on people. And, you know, I think, and I've said this for many years, that HR is the culture builder in the organization. Um, and done well, and you really think about how are people affected by this and how um, are you going to treat people throughout this process. I've done a lot of acquisitions, a lot of divestitures in my career. The one thing that's always very front and center for me is the communication. And, you know, what are we saying? Are we living up to promises? How are people feeling? Are we incorporating feedback, et cetera? Um, so early on, one of the things we did is we did a culture survey. Um, across, and we had done one at Legacy Keurig when I had first started, and then um, we did one for Legacy DPS, looked at that and said, hey, where are we similar and where are we different? Mm -hmm. um, and made sure that, and then we understood what was important to people as we went through this. We had a huge communication effort around um, town halls and what we're communicating to people and when. The, the truth of the matter is you can only make people feel so comfortable, right? And then once they know sort of where they wound up in the organization, it's it, it makes it feel a little bit better. But I feel like we had a really good communication cadence for folks along the way. Mm -hmm. Workplace is interesting because one of the things in my career, and I've had you know thousands of people I've been responsible for, multiple locations. And one of the things you know when you have hundreds of locations is the communication only makes it so far, mm. and then it's dependent on that frontline leader to make sure they make that communication personable and people understand it. And a lot of times what we find is the frontline leaders are so busy and they're so tasked with so many things that communication doesn't always make it as far as we would like. And so this has been a struggle of mine for many years about how do we get people um, understanding and hearing uh, what, what's happening. Mm. The great thing about workplace is it's something that's just you're able, people are able to post and you're able to communicate across the whole organization, right? So one of the things that makes that great is the content is really self-directed. So we have, we have pictures we could show you today that just come in of store displays and people who've had, um, you know, recognition events and different things of that nature. We have an employee appreciation event happening in Vermont today. People are posting pictures. It's, um, it's a great way for people to stay connected. You can create groups on there. Um, we can create, which we have, an announcement group to say, hey, here's what's happening today. Mm. You get a little notification. It's by Facebook, so it's similar if people are used to that So people are used to that tool. Yeah. And I imagine people have a lot of social media with LinkedIn, Facebook. How did you make it so that people would embrace this other social media tool inside the organization? What steps did you take? Yeah, well, we piloted it to okay. make sure that we um, people were excited about it and wanted to use it. So we announced it actually on our day one of our new KDP team coming together. Piloted amongst groups, and we created different Keurig, groups. Dr. Pepper, KDP, yeah. that's, I yeah. should know that. Yeah. Um, and then we created groups within groups. So, for instance, we have an HR group, we have a broader group, we have a commercial group, et cetera. But then you can go into the, everybody can post into the broad KDP group as well. Right. We got people really excited. We got users. We have users within each of these groups who help with moving content through. So lots of ways to bring that together and people excited. It's been, I think, overwhelmingly positive, mm. even more so than I thought it would be in terms of people really 
um, loving the tool and coming together. Mm. So, Any benefits, um, specific examples of something that came out of it? You're like, wow, that really made a difference using this tool to get there. Um, I have to think about that one. I think that for me, it's more about connections mm. that people have made or people can ask questions and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to be up in Vermont. Uh, anybody anybody want to meet or anybody want to do you know XYZ so it's more about the connections people mm. are making I think for us it's been a great communication tool mm. um, in terms of helping an organization understand where we're at on certain right. so people are paying attention to it would you have yeah. a sense of what percentage of the employees are engaged in that tool so right now we have 8,000 people on the tool so about a third more yeah. than a third of your but we haven't even opened it up for everybody yet. Oh, it's still in so pilot mode. Yeah, so 8,000 wow. um, are on it, and we have active, I think. Many active, yeah. 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 That's fantastic. Yeah. What else did you do with the communication up front to, because I, I, again, I heard that people felt like they were part of the process with signage and email, and how did you engage the workforce with the merger? I think the first part we needed to do was to make sure that people understood the rationale behind it and put some sort of faces to it. So we had n a number of town halls with our CEO, who's fantastic, the leadership team. We Day one, so you, you came to this building, but day one um, and prior to day one, we had the new signage go up. So the so when the day we were officially Keurig Dr. Pepper, most of the signage on all the buildings was changed. Wow. We, so it was a very coordinated, oh, you yeah. make sure it was all Brands timed. were represented Perfectly. immediately. We had a huge celebration on day one across every location. And again, workplace was flooded with all the celebrations. Oh, that was already up and running when, oh, yeah. after the merger. Day one. Had, okay, day so one. workplace was already going. Yeah. Okay. Um, so day one celebration, we said, hey, we want your photos. People were sending those in. So that that's sort of a little bit about day one. I think prior to that, it was going to be our communication plan. We created a org talent communication and culture team. We called it the OTCC team. Mm -hmm. And they were... You love acronyms. Well, <laughs> it's the way of the world, today, right? Um, but, uh, you know, we were very committed to what's happening to the org. How are we communicating to org? What's the kind of culture we're looking to create as we move forward? And how do we make sure that the right touch points are happening mm -hmm. along the way? And that people know what's going to happen, right? Some of this is... Uh, like I, I have had some people say to me, well, I wish you would have gotten this done sooner. My response was, I've done this for a very long time and a bunch of people can go into a room and come out and create an org and that's usually not the right answer. You want the people involved who are gonna be in the org to participate in helping to create it, mm -hmm. that takes longer. Right. And when it takes longer, it's okay, you just have to make sure you have the right communication vehicles right. in place. Meg, you mentioned the culture and you mentioned you did the culture surveys for both organizations mm -hmm. prior to bringing them together. Now, you're, are you looking to take the best of both cultures mm -hmm. or build something totally new? How do you bridge two cultures and what's the vision? What are the values, the mission? What's the culture you want yeah. for the, this, this combined organization? So I think the good thing uh, out of the culture surveys that we saw, and we have, we have a great, great group of people, like very thoughtful, smart, very committed to the brands that we have and our customers. So I mean, overwhelmingly, that was what came out. Mm -hmm. So if you say take the best, to me that is the best and we all move forward together with mm -hmm. that. The culture we wanna create is people who love the work they get to do, love the brands that we have in place, they feel rewarded, they like the people they get to work with, um, and they love coming into work every day. And every day you're not gonna skip in to work, mm. but in general you feel really excited to be part of the Keurig Dr. Pepper team. 
Um, and we see that. We saw that come through uh, in the culture survey. Mm. Uh, so we're excited about what that means for us. And we're excited about the way the organization has come together and we formed already. Um, you see a nice mix of, of leadership from both teams. Yes, and geographically dispersed, mm -hmm. right? Because you have leaders that are, is it Plano, Texas? Is Plano, the, Texas. And yeah. of course here. Yeah, and Vermont and, and Montreal. Vermont. Right, and so the executive team is not all sitting in one location. No, and right? I, not at all. And right. I think, you know, the world today allows you to be a mobile team and we have team members all over the place and mm. so I thought it was a nice way to come together. Right. Is yeah. there one official headquarters or is it not set up that way? Nope. You'll see it's two, we call it two right now, which it's is two, two Burlington Mass and Plano, Texas. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Meg, let's shift to the HR topic. How would you describe your philosophy with regard to the human resources function and leading, leading the function? I've talked about this for many years. You know, I think our job is to really impact the way that people feel about the work they get to do every day and that we really are the, the guardians of the greatest resources here, and that is the, the people. And so what I tell people all the time is we're not the no police and we're not the policy police. We are here as strategic business partners, and we happen to have a specialty in human resources. And that gives you an opportunity to say, how are you going to build your people strategy so it's in support of the business, what the business wants to do. And I think it's such a great, I, I'm, I'm, I love being in HR, I love being part of an HR team because I really think the biggest thing you can do is impact the business results through people and talent. Mm -hmm. And that's really my philosophy. Mm -hmm. My philosophy is you should be able to sit in a room and people don't know that you're quote unquote HR that you really are there to help support the business just like anybody else, but you're gonna solve an issue where it comes comes down to how's talent gonna solve this for you? Because ultimately what drives business results is talent. Mm -hmm. Can you give us an example of how that comes into play when you have your business partners in playing that role as sure. business partner? I'll, I'll give you a great example. So one of the things that I've done for many years is we take a look at the overall enterprise business initiatives. We look at the business specific, so in the, within that line of business, whether it be commercial or finance or what have you, and we put together a people strategy that complements not only what's happening at the highest level of the business, but also within that respective function. We meet with those business leaders as a full HR team on a quarterly basis. And we go through the enterprise initiatives, their initiatives, how we're doing. We have a very robust HR scorecard. And we say, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's how that's going. But for me, that's just sort of telling what's happening. What I'm really very committed to is this notion of predictive analytics and how do we get there. So one of the things we do with each leader is we say, hey, tell us your key roles in your respective organization. Give us the five key roles. Sometimes hard to get in there, but we get five key roles. Right. And then we go out and we say, okay, of all this data, we're going to break down what's happening in those five key roles. So we look at things like availability in the marketplace, your turnover, uh, what the performance is in those key roles, how long it's taking us to fill key roles, why it's taking us. And so we really get into what's happening. Because really, Dave, my issue is, my concern is, my approach is that we solve issues before they become problems. And the only way you get there is if you are using data. And I would say, you know, if you got me on a soapbox about the HR profession in general, it would be that we don't use data enough. And so I think that has one, been one of the differentiators for, uh, for me in my career is that we really have thought about how do we utilize data in mm -hmm. telling our story. Mm -hmm. What tools do you use to capture data, ana analyze data? Yeah. Um, and, and who do you hire? 
for these roles the way you have to have data analytics are you hiring a, a different type of skill set absolutely so one of the things we're doing and, and we're also training people so we have a lot of HR partners who've gone through scorecard training to say hey, how do you pull data how do you think about data how do you how do you start to match up the data because here's what's really interesting is we have a ton of data in HR if you think mm-hmm. about it from performance management to succession planning to turnover to right. exit interviews, all those things compensation performance uh, it, right but we that. but they sit sort of separately mm-hmm. we bring them all together and say hey here's all these pieces how these pieces of data work together mm-hmm. um, and yeah we're looking at how do we take the HR team and have them really think about data in a different way we have some tools that we've utilized that help pull this data because right in many cases it can be very manual so you have to have people who can think about this stuff and how do you how do you analyze this data and bring it together so and you tell me talk to me about a mentor in the past there's a woman I worked for for five years in my career and probably one of the smartest most strategic people I've ever worked for and the first time she told me how to put together a strategic plan I thought I'm gonna have to quit because I have no idea how to do this right (laughs) and the way she broke that down and helped all of us really think about how you pull that together it's very meaningful and still impactful in my career to this day and so I'd like to think I've done the same thing who we hire you hire great generalists who have an appetite to learn you do hire people who are more analytical. So you'll see a lot out there now around HR data scientists. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually brought people over from finance onto the HR team you to have. do some of this work. Yeah, oh. oh, yes. And when you when you get people thinking about and analyzing data differently, it's very interesting and very powerful. Because really, people always think it's the big things that get them the seat at the table. It's really the little things. Mm. And when you show up in a meeting and you can say, have looked at look at this data and this data and this data and we have an issue here and here's what I think we should do about that it's very powerful to a leader to say oh I didn't even see that Mm -hmm. right that's a a big role that we can play as an HR team how do you develop leadership inside your organizations or this organization how do you look at it and what's your approach well I think in general here we've done a nice job with really thinking about succession planning but not in the traditional way necessarily we really do think about it in terms of role-based succession. So you think about a key role in an organization. I'll take this to the highest level in the organization. You say, hey, who are the people in this organization who could be that leader now, two to five, and you know, further out, and then who's our rising talent? Mm. And so you really do look at, it makes you think about it differently, because everybody always wants to come in in succession and really just talk about their team. Uh. But when you get to a role and you really think about across the organization, who could, you really start to see where do you have holes, and where do you have strength? Mm-hmm. So that's one piece. The second piece is then how do you Can develop? Can I just ask, how do you get that view? If you're oh, going to you, try to yeah, you you, get more people in the room? or Oh, you, it's full. It's oh. the whole team, the okay. whole um, executive leadership team working on that. Okay. Yeah. Right. And then I think what you do from there is you think about what are the development programs we have in place for people. Truth of the matter is that great development happens while doing the work of the organization, right? So people always think of they course. have to go to a class or they have to do... The 70, 20, 10 stuff, exactly, right? It's doing the work, right? right? But then how do you really get people... So are we committed to... This merger was a great opportunity for us. Are there people that we could take out of their role because this is a great development opportunity to, for them to help us do X, Y, and Z? And we did that. Uh, but, you know, you don't always have mergers in organizations. So, but you always have initiatives. So are we using our top talent to help them develop? Who has the right development opportunity and need, and who has the right opening for that? Mm-hmm. So it's something you know I've been committed to in my career. It's something that we've you know I haven't been at 
here at Dr. Pepper very long, but it's something that we've been implementing over this last year and have had initial great success with that. The mergers helped us move that forward, That's which we're really excited about. Well, how do you think about performance management? I know there's been a lot of evolution happening with regard to performance management. What's your view on it? Where do you see it going? What do you do here at Cure, Dr. Pepper? So here's right. what I really believe, and did this in my last company, brought it here. The merger slowed us down a little bit, but we, we've actually have started that um, with this next performance cycle. Here's how I think it should be and what we'll get to is the manager should be having development conversations with employees throughout the year. But let's pick a let's pick that at least three times a year, you should be having a development conversation with somebody. We're going to completely stay out of that. We're leaving that up to managers. We have hired you because you have you have the ability to lead people and do it well, right? That's the assumption. At the end of the year, we're going to say yeah, ask you to say how did you do, provide a compensation related you know number. How did you do as the manager giving the? How did you do? See, how did you do the employee? You know, right, say right. to the manager to say the employee, how did you do this year? Okay. Let me give you my perspective. Employee is right. going to give their perspective, right. but that's all between them. Right. Our piece is let's calibrate to make sure we're thinking about talent the same way. Let's make sure we have the compensation worked out, but let's really turn that year-end discussion into a year look forward in terms of what do I need from you going forward. Uh, it's a much more simplified version. I think it's m much easier, right, mm -hmm. um, for managers to handle. And really, we take ourselves out as an HR profession of the let me keep after you as the taskmaster. Right. It's really not our job. Mm -hmm. And it's really the job. Right, it's of a manager's the, job. Yeah, exactly. Coach performance. And somehow we've gotten all sideways on this. Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, as a profession, we all recognize that and we're working our way in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how I see that that working in, in our world as we move forward. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So very consistent with the, yeah. the new thinking yeah. around performance. It's not an event, it's not a number on somebody's forehead. It's. Uh, it's really an ongoing discussion between them and their manager. Yeah, and, and you have to make sure and it's future focus. Future focus, well. right? And you have to make sure, in in some ways, you want to make sure managers are doing that. So here's what I said to the team. That's what I was going to ask you that. Yes. Yeah. How so do you make sure it actually happens? Well, here's what I said to the team. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to the manager and say, "Did you have conversations with your team?" And everybody's going to say yes. <laughs> and then we're going to go to the employees and say, "Did your manager talk to you?" And half of them are going to say no, right? <laughs> and then we'll just keep working our way through that until right. we we really drive what we're trying to drive, which is a uh, performance-based, but more development-based discussions right. between people. So you got to ask the manager and yeah. the employees. That's the that's the key. Right. Yeah, I would say the other thing here is we're very committed to HPT or high-performing teams here. I mean, in a way that I've not seen in my prior lives, and so this, I mean, you saw it here before you arrived that there's yeah, really high-performing teams. Absolutely, it was one of the reasons I joined the organization. Hmm. Um, and this whole notion of you know assuming positive intent leading with candor, being respectful um, from the top down. Mm. Uh, so from our CEO, it starts with him, and he does an amazing job um, through that leadership team. And you talk about development. We're really looking for people to say, hey, we're really all here to solve a business problem. Mm. And so how do we do that in the best way possible? Mm. And so if, you, if you're committed to high-performing teams, right, then you really do have a commitment that, hey, everybody's here to do the job we've asked them to do, which is to manage the people. Right. Yeah. What, what did you notice from the Dr. Pepper side? What are some of the qualities, you mentioned the team, high-performing team concept here at Keurig. What about the Dr. Pepper culture? What are some of the things that they did really well yeah. to bring to this joint organization? Uh, oh, I think, I think, you know, we, we've, we're very lucky that 
it's always interesting to see when what two companies come together. Yeah. But I think these two companies are so um, complementary in so many ways. Um, again, this whole notion of this passion, this commitment for the brand, understanding customers, understanding, you know, what customers want when they want it. Uh. Um, and then just as a team, just, you know, they, there's a, they're very thoughtful and I, I hesitate to use the word they because we've, we've worked really right, hard we on, now, on right? we. Yeah, that's right. But it's such a great team to be a part of and right. a company to come together with. Right. That's yeah. great. Well, we do this podcast, Keystone does, in cooperation with NERA, the Northeast Human Resources Association. I'm sure you've heard of it since you've yes, been in yes. the Boston area for yeah. a couple of years now. So we do have a question and it comes from the NERA YP, Young Professionals Group. Vanessa Malfitano, she's at Nichols College, and she her question is, what's the best way to balance personal life with work life, especially when coming back from having children? Yeah, yeah. For me, it's it's always about family first. So I say to people, if you're not personally happy, you're not going to be professionally happy. And I've said that you know my whole career, and I think it's finding the right environment where people get that. A lot of people on my team, with young children who I want to make sure they can balance being at home and being at work. And so however they do that, and it's up to them how they do that, but I think you do have to put family first and have a commitment to the organization and the work you're doing. But if you're personally happy, you'll be professionally happy. Now we have some lighter questions for you. We shift gears here. If you could go to dinner with any living person, who would it be and why? Any living person, this is a good one. So I, for me, I'm a big fan of... Bill Connedy, I don't know if you, Bill Connedy used to be Jack Welch's oh, yes. um, HR leader. I've had the opportunity to meet him a couple you times. You have, wow. It's a, he's a fascinating individual, and any opportunity to spend time with him and learn uh, from him is... Is there some concept that sticks out that you could share with our listeners about Bill, or something that he brings that you haven't seen in other places? Um, no, I think he just has a really pragmatic way of thinking about HR. And uh, it's a, I'll tell you a full circle story here. Um, I worked at a prior company and Bill happened to be sitting on the board. And so when I joined that company, uh, I wasn't the head of HR, the head of HR left, and then they wanted me to interview for the role. And I remember reading Jack Welch's book, so I think was just a brilliant from the leader. Guy, yeah. Book, okay. And um, he talks about his HR leader. And I remember thinking, gosh, if, if I could ever work for somebody who felt that way about me, that would be fantastic. Full circle moment, I'm interviewing for this job, and they say to me, hey, we want you to interview with Bill Connedy. <laughs> so, um, and you know, you, you have this big idea, and he's just the nicest, thought, most thoughtful, one of the smartest people you'll meet. So any opportunity I have to spend That's time great. with Bill, I always enjoy it. That's amazing. Yeah. What's your secret life hack? I have all these tricks, right, from a work perspective. Yeah, a like, yeah. for, so for instance, you know, email is sort of, I think, the bane of everybody's existence. Right. And how do you keep up with it? For me, the way I work my email is I keep it open until it's done. And once it's done, it gets filed. So I know if I have X number of emails open, they're all waiting for me to get something done. So I'm very conscious about in the morning trying to spend time getting through stuff and at, at the end of the day getting through things. Uh, and then I know if there's something sitting there, it requires more time and uh, attention. Yeah. So an email trick. And a book that changed your life. One that helped shape me in my prior company is a book called uh, Great by Choice. And um, it really talks about why companies are successful or, you know, and I took that to why are individuals successful versus other ones doing the same exact work. Mm. And uh, we spent a year really going through 
as a company, really thinking about that book and how it shaped what we were doing and building our strategy around that. But it sticks with me today because it makes me think about what did what do people do that in the same work right. and they same have situation, different, different, different results. results. Right. And so I think about that a lot. Mm. Um, and I think it helps shape me with what are we going to do different? How are we going to differentiate ourselves in the same situation? Mm. You ask me a lot of questions about HR and leadership and performance management. And all of us face the same challenges. Right. My goal is what are we going to do that's going to make that different for us mm. and for the people that we're lucky enough to get to work with every right. day. Right, and something that works for this yeah, organization, exactly. right? this culture. What's the best performance, play, musical, show, sporting event you've ever seen? Okay, so this is a hard one because I love, I love to go to musical events, I'm a big concert goer, etc. But if you really made me pick one, and I'm going to pick it, and All I'll right. tell you why, I'm a lifelong Chicago Cubs fan. All right. I was at Game 7 of the World Series when they won wow. in Cleveland, Ohio, wow. and it was probably one of the best experiences of my life. Uh-huh. My mom and my sister were with me. Uh, my mom is a big influence on my life, and uh, I always say when you grow up in Chicago, you just grow up a Cubs fan. Like you don't even, it doesn't, it's not something you pick, it just happens to you. Mm-hmm. And it was years of misery, <laughs> just years of misery. And then, you know, of course, they almost let us down Game 7 again. And I thought, oh, my right. God, I'm going to be sad in Cleveland, Ohio. What am I going to do? We all know, we know all about that with the Red Sox. You know, exactly. Up until more recently. But, but, um, but I, I remember looking over and just seeing my mom and just how happy she was. And this is something she had never seen in her whole life, right? right. And to be able to experience that with her and my sister. And it was something I can't it's It's, it's indescribable. Yeah. That's, uh, that's how f- amazing it was in the moment. Well, it's been so great to have you as a guest on the podcast. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Hennessy Report from Keystone Partners. Be sure to subscribe to listen to all of our conversations with leaders in HR. Go to keystonepartners.com and click on the podcast button.